right, well, it is family day, so we're going to do some fun things today. The first thing, I got a couple volunteers. If you'd come on up, welcome my volunteers. They are... So, here's the deal. Here, so, we're, have you come on up here, and then one of you go on this end, and then you go ahead and roll it out to the other end. So, I'm really excited. We're at Acts 26. That means, church, how many books are in the book of Acts, or how many chapters? 28. Two points for you. Uh, 28. So, 26. That means we're almost done. Church, we are almost done. We're hitting this, finishing it before Thanksgiving. And I just want to encourage you. Uh, is Haley in the house? Haley? Haley, come on up. So, Haley, this is a very special marker. It's a magic marker. Um, but it's got Jesus magic, not, you know, the other kind of magic. So, come on up. <laughs> so, just go ahead and stand there. So, I think with a book like the book of Acts, sometimes we're just like, yeah, it was a book that was written. We don't realize it covers a whole lot of stuff over a whole lot of years. Did you know that? Uh, sometimes we don't know that. But now we're going to know that after today. So the book of Acts, way here at the beginning, Haley, how about you go ahead and circle this one as big as you can. Yeah, just make a mess of it. There you go. Perfect. So this is when Stephen is martyred. And who was at Stephen's death? Who, who, remember Saul. So Saul is there, and this is kind of towards the beginning of the book of Acts. Back actually at here, around 30 A.D., is when the church is established at Pentecost, and that's Acts uh, chapter 2. But then a whole lot happens. Paul writes a whole lot of letters, all during the book of Acts. And then, Haley, come on, wait, we're going to go way down here. And then right around here, go ahead and circle this one. So this is 59 or 60 A.D. It says that, Portius Festus, appointed governor of Judea, and Paul is taken to Rome for trial. And, and that's kind of, we're getting close to that territory, aren't we, in the book of Acts. Now, I want you to notice something. That's about 30 years. Isn't that crazy? So the book of Acts, 30 years history. But I, for all y'all that love the Bible and love the letters of Paul, I want you to notice this too. Would you circle this big column of words right here? And I'll hold this for you. Yeah. So I just... Uh, you got to hear me on this one. Has anyone ever been encouraged by Philippians or Ephesians or Colossians, right? Or Philemon, those types of books. Like just so loving, so encouraging, so just like for the church. Like just loving people into the kingdom, right? Just so encouraging. I want you to notice that he wrote those letters after he endured all of this. And as your pastor, I think the danger sometimes when I'm meeting with people that are maybe a little bit older is as you've endured so much that the letter that you might be reading or writing isn't quite as encouraging, isn't quite as loving. And if Paul can do this by the power of Christ inside of him that gives him strength, I'm just prophesying this over you. If you're 55 or older today, you need to hear my heart. I'm prophesying over you. Your last days on this earth will be your best days of encouraging and building up people. People that you're going to love them and encourage them. Amen? Amen. All right. Can we give it up for you guys? Way to go, Haley. You did great. Thank you so much, Kira. Thank you, Issa. That was amazing. All right. So we're in the book of Acts. Now, I do want to tell you guys this before we read, and we're in chapter 26 again. But before we read, we have a meet the pastors coming up. It's one of my favorite things we do at this church, and it's one of my favorite things. Are Pastor Randy and Kathy in the house? Okay, they're way in the back. Everybody say hi to Pastor Randy and Kathy. 
we were saying how the three of us, we don't talk about each other because I, I don't, I'm still trying to figure out what we do because the church is run by all of you. Like you guys are just amazing. Pastor Randy and Kathy do this thing called the meet the pastors brunch where we get to show up and Kathy Ford presents the most amazing spread that you've ever, ever had. If you've ever walked into the doors of their house, it is instant peace. Anyone need peace? Just come to Kathy and Randy's house. You're going to experience the peace of the Lord. But again, that's going to be November 12th and it's going to be 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And if you're new, like in the last year, six months to a year, if you're new and you're like, who is even the pastor of this church? Well, we would love to explain some of the vision and the passion that we have for LifeSpring and the greater community. So you got to come to that. This is how you go. It's really easy. You just go over to this amazing booth that Pastor Steve Neff, by the way, built by hand. Praise the Lord. But uh, you go over to this booth at the end of service. You say, I would like to sign up for the Meet the Pastors. They'll take it from there. And voila, November 12th, you're going to meet me and Jesse and Debbie and some of the other leaders here at the church. So again, if you're new at all or you just got some, you know, like what is going on at Lifespring, come on out and we'll talk to you a little bit. All right. So Acts 26. I'm actually going to start off in 25 because I realized I didn't cover this last week and it's pretty important. But I thought since it is family day, I would invite my family to come on up. And and instead of me just kind of boringly reading 25 and 26, my family is going to act this baby out. So would you please welcome Addie, Ava, and Mary to the stage. We three kings of Orient are. Let's go. All right. Grab your mic. Do you have Let's get you a mic, too. All right. I have lots of jokes I want to say right now, but I'm going to stay focused. Okay, here you go. All right. So we're going to start, church, if you're following along. We're going to be in Acts 25. Let's see. Pull up my Bible. And let's go ahead and start at verse 23. So the next day, and let's introduce you. Uh, who are you? I'm Tina Agrippa. Oh, nice to meet you, King Agrippa. And who are you? Festus. Also in the choir. Amazing. Uh, and then who are you? Paul. Paul. I love it. Who is a monk on the side. <laughs> All right. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice. Oh, here's Bernice. Here you go. Uh, Uh, The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the audience room with the high-ranking military officers and the prominent men of the city. Oh, oh, you know what? Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Here you go, king. Ah, there you go. Whew, shouldn't have worn a sweater. There you go, Festus. Okay. And Festus said... King Agrippa, and all who are present with us, you see this man, the whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome, but I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, 
so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. For I think it is unreasonable to send a prisoner to Rome without specifying the charges against him. And then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I have conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our twelve tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I, too, was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief, of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then... Oh, that's you. (laughs) So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That is why some of the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light 
to his own people and to the Gentiles. You are out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Short time or long time, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Now the king rose, and with him the governor and Bernice, and those sitting with them. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And scene. Can we give it up for the Burst family? So good. I love that. Good job, you guys. So in the book of Acts, we've now heard Paul's conversion three times, right? This is the third time we've heard it. I was thinking about this week. Every time I am hearing something from the Lord a little different, every time I'm hearing that conversion experience. And by the way, young or old, listen to me today. This is one reason why you never stop reading the Bible. Did you know that? You never stop reading. It's not like a book like Diary of the Wimpy Kid or any of those kinds of books that you just read and you put it on the shelf and you go to the next one. This is a book that you will be reading for the rest of your life. It is amazing. And the thing about the Bible, it will never stop teaching you about God, about his faithfulness, about his love. But here's the thing about the Bible. It doesn't just teach you and show you and, 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 and reveal to you the ability to know about God. The scriptures actually help you know God, to know God, the Bible. I I would just encourage you, dive into the Bible, take a marker, mark it up, highlight it, do whatever you can with the Bible. He wants to know you, to have a personal relationship with you, and he does that by his spirit and by his living word. Now, I do want to share a thought with you. Because I was studying this week and I was looking at Saul and, and Saul, before he met Jesus on that road, he was really passionate for God. He was zealous. He, he had a passion. We just heard him say that he was a very religious man who followed all the rules. And here he is. He's trying to silence this group. They're, they're following this man who had died named Jesus of Nazareth. And they're claiming that he's actually resurrected, that he's the risen Messiah. And so he's trying to silence the group. Now, what we have to understand is Saul thought he was working for God, right? By opposing the Jesus followers, Paul, when he was Saul, he thought he was working for God. But then, as we just saw in this awesome scene, when he encounters Jesus on that road to Damascus, uh uh-oh, right? Where I thought I was working for God, I was actually, what? I was opposing God, working against God. But here today, I want you to think about this. Yes, he is opposing God. Yes, he is persecuting Jesus' church. But how does Jesus treat this man who is against him? Again, this man persecuting Jesus' church. Now, how quickly in my flesh, like without Jesus' help, how quickly in my flesh, I just want to kind of write off Saul, right? He's against Jesus' church. How dare you? 
Like, I'm done with you, Saul. And yet, is that what Jesus does? I mean, this is where Jesus is so awesome and where we need Jesus' help this morning. Because remember this, Jesus doesn't want to write off Saul. What does Jesus want to do? He wants to save Saul. Everybody say, Jesus saves. Jesus saves, Jesus saves right? He wants to save Saul. No one is beyond God's plan of salvation and redemption. Do you believe that today? Actually, some of you, maybe in your own heart, you need to hear that today. Maybe you're struggling today, but you need to hear how great God's love is for you. No one has wandered too far. No one has failed too often. No one has sinned too much to put yourself beyond the reach of salvation. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of the songs we sing were written by people who were very discouraged, wildly depressed in that moment. And it was right there where Jesus came and saved them and rescued them. You're not beyond the reach of his salvation. Listen to it this way. If Jesus can save Saul, he can save anybody. Paul says this in 1 Timothy. He says, here's a trustworthy saying. So you can trust this church. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So important that we hold this truth in our hearts. A lot of people are going to attack that truth. Religion even sometimes attacks that truth. But don't you dare let anyone steal that truth from you. Jesus wants to save everyone, including you, including your friends, including your family, including your co-workers, including your classmates. Again, King Agrippa says, Do you think in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul says, Short time or long time. I pray to God that not only you... But everybody who's listening to me today may become what I am. Again, he wants everyone to be saved. Lifespring, is that our heart for the people around us? Especially, again, maybe it's someone that's different than you. Maybe it's someone who doesn't treat you well. Maybe it's a mean classmate, a grumpy boss, maybe a difficult family member. What is the condition of your heart in that interaction? Oh, boy, right? Because remember, Paul, in this great scene that you guys put together he's an innocent man he's innocent he's done nothing wrong and he's standing before very powerful leaders and yet look at paul's heart his heart in that moment he wants them and everyone else around them to be saved to know jesus to follow jesus as lord and savior as you walk on this earth as you journey on this earth it is easy to lose that perspective Again, when someone's treating you poorly, and again, Paul is being treated poorly, it's easy to quick, quickly make that person your enemy. But I believe this, and I hope you hear me out today. With Jesus' help, he can actually give you his love for that person, even if they are your enemy. Jesus can give you his love. Did you know that Jesus makes commands in the Bible? Isn't that crazy. Jesus commands us. You want to hear one of his commands? John 15, 12. He says, my command is this. Say it with me, church. Love each other as I have loved you. 
And I believe this. I've seen it in my own life. You probably have as well. When I ask Jesus to help me with that kind of love, like, Jesus, I really need your help. Like, I don't know on my own how to love this person. Jesus, give me your love for this person. Did you know that he helps me every single time? He gives me his strength. He gives me his power to love, even to love my enemies. And so think of it this way. The same love that he shows Saul on the road to Damascus, Saul now shows King Agrippa and Festus and everyone else in that trial. And now you and I get to share that love, the same love, the love of Christ with others. As he has first loved us, we now love one another. At this time, I want to invite our children's director up, and she's going to give a couple of more thoughts, and then we're going to get on with some Italian sodas and even a bouncy house. But at this time, would you please welcome Ashley Berggren to the stage. Wasn't that skit awesome? Yes. Okay. It's so cool sometimes when the Bible can literally jump off the pages and you can see it right in front of you. Um, Okay, so uh, we're talking about Acts 26, King Agrippa, right? And I was reading through this passage um, as we were preparing for... Um, today, and I, two things in this passage stood out to me, and so I want to talk about them really quickly because um, I just thought it was so important and so powerful, and um, Pastor Dan kind of touched on it a little bit, but the first one is that this wasn't exactly a highlight of Paul's life, right? Of all the things that Paul did, you, you saw the timeline of Acts, right? And a lot of those things were things that Paul was doing, and in all the things that happened throughout his life, Um, being imprisoned probably wasn't like, yeah, that was awesome, you know, right? Like probably the moments where he's leading hundreds of people to Christ, like that would be like, yeah, that was awesome. But being in prison, probably not an awesome highlight. Would you guys agree? Okay. So this wasn't exactly a highlight of Paul's life. And in fact, um, he's been imprisoned. He's imprisoned for something he didn't do, right? They're accusing him of things he didn't do. Um, So he's probably a little bit upset, right? Would you be upset if you were in prison for something you didn't do? Yeah, you'd probably be really upset, Um, probably more than that. But he, so he could have, and he's been in prison for a while, right? So he could have chosen to say, okay, I'm in prison, I hate this, Um, I've been imprisoned for something I didn't do, I'm really upset about this, I am just angry, I'm just going to be angry. I'm just going to stay in my anger, I'm just going to stay in my frustration, and how dare they put me here, how dare they do this? Well, That's not what happens in the scripture, right? Did you you guys just read it? Is that what happens? No, right. He sees an opportunity, right? Paul comes forward. He's before King Agrippa. He's before Festus. He's before all these people. And he says, these people don't know Jesus. I'm going to take this opportunity to tell them about Jesus. When he could have said, I was wrongly imprisoned. I didn't do this. Look at all of this. They're accusing me of something I didn't do. That could have been his argument, right? Wouldn't that be your argument? But he says, no, that person doesn't know Jesus. So let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what he did for me. Let me show you how he met me on the road and freed me from all of the bad things that I did. Right? Paul takes this opportunity to say, that person doesn't know Jesus. The other thing that I noticed in this chapter is that Paul wasn't preaching on his own turf. 
right? It's not like King Agrippa and Festus, hey, they came into Paul's home church and they were like, hey, tell us about Jesus. We want to know Jesus. It's not like they walked into the synagogue and they were like, open up the scroll and read the Bible to us. No, Paul was in their turf. He was in their space. He was in the space that they were comfortable in. He was in the space where they were in charge. And he chose to tell them about Jesus anyways. It wasn't Paul's turf. It wasn't Paul's church. It wasn't Paul's space that he was comfortable in. He went to their place. Well, I mean, he didn't have a choice, but he was in their place, right? So those are the two things that I noticed in this chapter. So when I was looking at this, I was like, okay, those are really awesome things. An everyday person is probably not going to respond that way. In our own flesh and own desires of our own heart, right? I just talked about that. You've been wrongly imprisoned. You're going to defend yourself. So... How do we respond to those two things, right? If that was Paul's reaction, if he said, I was wrongly imprisoned, but I'm going to tell them about Jesus anyways, because he recognized they didn't know Jesus, and he wasn't in a space he was comfortable in, and he chose to tell them about Jesus anyways. So how do we do this, right? If we're always, um, if we walk into a situation and we've had a bad day, we've um, maybe been Maybe somebody's accused us of something we didn't do. Maybe um, we've got some really bad life stuff going on. Maybe we're just walking through a time that's really tough. Are we still viewing people with these eyes of, does this person know Jesus? Right? Because the stuff that I'm dealing with, the bad stuff that I'm walking through, the hard stuff that I'm walking through, it's, it's awful, right? You guys know you've gone through hard stuff. It's awful. It doesn't feel good. It's not fun. But are we still viewing people with this lens of, do they know Jesus? How can I show this person Jesus today? Even though I want to probably scream in their face because I'm having a horrible day, do they know Jesus? And how can I show them that? The other thing is, are we meeting people where they're at? Right? We have this church building. We have amazing people who walk into this building every Sunday. But the people that are walking into this building that don't know Jesus are coming in because you invited them here. They're not walking in off the street going, "Mm, you know what, I want to go to church today. Maybe some of them are. But most of the people that are walking into this church are because you invited them. So are we going out to our schools, to our workplaces, to our community groups, the things that we're involved in where we're encountering people who don't know Jesus every day, and are we meeting them where they're at? Instead of waiting for somebody to walk through the door, we got to meet them where they're at. We got to be uncomfortable so that they can be comfortable with Jesus, right? We got to be uncomfortable. We got to go to their spaces where they're comfortable, where they are in charge, and say, I know Jesus, and look what he can do for you. So, with that being said, I have a little activity for you. And if you are um, between the ages of, um, I don't know, newborn and 18, I'm going to call you up here in just a moment. So hang tight. Remember how old you are and come up here in just a minute, okay? So I was thinking about this, right? And I was thinking, okay, I want to tell people about Jesus. But I'm terrified of telling people about Jesus. In fact, just yesterday I was telling my husband, you know, I, we've been starting to plan for Christmas Eve, and I was like, you know, I just feel like I'm supposed to invite this person to Christmas Eve service. And I said, but I'm terrified. I don't want to invite them to Christmas Eve service. Because what if I invite them and they say, I don't want to go? And my husband was like, 
yeah, what if they do say that? And I was like, oh, I guess that's not the worst thing, right? They just don't come. But at least I invited them. And then I said, but what if they do come and they hate it? And he goes, yeah, what if they do hate it? And I was like, oh, I guess that's, I mean, yeah, they might hate it. They might tell me they hate it, but what's the worst that could happen, right? And then I'm thinking, if I'm terrified to invite somebody to church and I tell people about Jesus from this stage, how much more uncomfortable are you who are terrified to even get up here and tell people from the stage, right? Like, if I'm terrified to go out and just invite somebody to church, maybe you're terrified too. I don't know. Anybody terrified? Because I am. A few of you? All right, good. Okay, so I was thinking, okay, so how can I make this easier, right? I want people to tell people about Jesus. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want them to know what he's done for me. I'm sure you want them to know what he's done for you. And so I thought, okay, I'll just make a little card, right? Okay, so I made this little card, and it says this. It says, Jesus sees you, Jesus knows you, Jesus cares about you, Jesus loves you, and he wants you to know it. Okay, and that's one side. And then I thought, okay, so what, how can I help people in telling people about Jesus? And I was like, you know what? Sometimes people just don't feel seen, right? You go about your day, you're having a rough time. Maybe you just feel like nobody knows what's going on, nobody cares. So I thought, I'm going to make some cards that just tell somebody, I'm thinking about you and I care about you. And so the other side says, hey, friend, I just wanted to give you this note to let you know I care about you. You're not alone, and you're seen by someone who cares about you. And then there's a little space for you if you want to write a personal note or sign your name. And I thought, you know what? I want to make it easier for you to tell people about Jesus. So these cards are available if you want to take some and tell people about Jesus this week. But if you're between the ages of 0 and 18, come on up here. I want to give you one right now, and then I'll have extras up here after service that you can grab. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pray over these in just a moment. All right, is that everyone? Okay, so now, if you have one of these cards, I want you to hold it up really quickly, okay? And we're going to say... Jesus, I want to, I want you to tell me who to give this to, right? I want to, we're going to pray over these cards in just a moment. I just, Jesus, would you show us, Holy Spirit, would you show us who these cards are supposed to go to? Who are we supposed to show that you love them, that you care about them, that we love them, and that we care about them? All right, we're going to pray over these cards. We thank you so much, Jesus, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we get to learn about who you are, that we get to grow in relationship with you. I just pray, Lord, over these cards as they go out this week. I just pray that you would reveal to us who is supposed to receive these cards. I pray that you would show us who we're supposed to reach out to. I pray that you would give us boldness to share about who you are with the people around us. Lord, that the fear of what they might say would be gone in Jesus' name. That you would show us who you are and that you would reveal yourself to the people that are receiving these cards. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we give it up for Ashley? That was amazing. Thank you, Ashley. 
Also, how about that amazing group of world changers that came up? Can we just give it up for our kids? You guys are awesome. Again, Ashley, uh, we have more of these cards available for anyone to take one. And uh, that was just a holy time when we were praying over those cards. Uh, Before we end, and worship team, you can come on up. Before we end, we have an amazing kids ministry here at the church. And I'm so thankful. We get to do family day four times a year. Yeah, worship team, I won't bite. I promise. Come on. Uh, We we do family day four times a year. But that means the other 48 uh, Sundays of the year, we have an amazing children's ministry that is upstairs uh, working tirelessly for our families, right? For our children. So if you are, if you volunteer in nursery or any of the children's classrooms, would you stand right now? And we just want to celebrate you. Come on, church. Stand on up. Yeah. Woo. Awesome. Well, everybody, let's stand up and let's worship the Lord. <laughs> 